Welcome to the IDS Ideas podcast. I am Gaia Lamperti, and today I'm joined by Abhijit Prasad, SVP, Working Capital Finance at Cariba. Hello, Abhijit. Hi, Gaia. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about the trade financing gap and how it has been reported it passed the $3 trillion benchmark. So, Abhijit, is this gap widening and why so? Uh, I think the first thing maybe to state is uh, the numbers that have been reported. They're very large numbers, right? And uh, so there are some numbers which have been reported as 1.5, 3 trillion. I've seen reports reporting it as as high as 5 trillion. I think the point is it's a very large number. The second thing is it's a little nuanced, a little bit more nuanced than just saying there's a gap because I don't think what the, the researchers are trying to say is that 3 trillion of trade is stopped because there's no financing. I think the point that is being made is there is three trillion of trade which is happening, which is not being financed in the most efficient way. Any trade that happens has to be financed somehow, whether it is from somebody's savings or a bank loan or a revolver or indeed, uh, you know, putting your entire uh, personal equity at stake. So it is it gets financed. I think the point is that there is the most inefficient way of financing that happens for for this kind of trade. Uh, So so I think that nuance is useful to understand. Now, your question around, is it widening? I think if you look at the past maybe 18 months, which have been very interesting for all of us, it kind of reflects, history repeats itself in some form, right? And so there have been incidents which have happened in the past, which which have resulted in these kind of financing breaks, which has happened. And this is no no different than that. It's It's a financing break. I think the big difference between this and some of the past events is there is also, as we're all seeing, a supply side and a demand side shock at the same time, kind of, because consumer demand, as we've all been sitting at home, has been, uh, we've not been uh, able to spend our money. We now have, as things start opening up, there is a sudden demand for for things. And if you think about uh, a supply chain, if I'm sitting in, in London, I'm ordering something which is which is getting shipped from across the globe, uh, and let's say it's something which takes which has multiple layers of being manufactured. So it starts maybe in, in Vietnam, goes to China, goes to you know somewhere in Europe, in in Spain, and then comes to to the UK. It goes through multiple chains. If demand increases at the end consumer, there's a very uh, well-known concept as the bullwhip effect. So as you move away from the end consumer your perception of what's actually happening to demand it amplifies. So if I if I am as the end consumer used to buy, let's say, five, five items of a good in, in a month, and now I start buying 10, the next guy in the chain is going to kind of add a buffer onto that. The guy beyond that is going to add a further buffer. And slowly you see that if you think of it as a graph, it kind of amplifies so the, the 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 guy who is the the last guy in the chain actually has to think about doing a lot more. And so as this this kind of demand increases, if there's no credit on the other side to support the, the smallest supplier, the last supplier, it's only natural that the gap is going to increase. And I think that's what people mean by this this trade finance gap is increasing. And I think it's very important, as you as you rightly said, to 
put this into the context of the past 18 months, and I'd say particularly in the aftermath of the pandemic, what are some of the other issues and challenges that mostly the small and, and medium businesses are facing in the supply chain finance? Um, I think the pandemic is uh, has been really bad, but what what as I said, what happened was when the pandemic hit, of course, credit squeezed up, right? So the suppliers, the banks kind of squeezed lines. But at the same time, what happened was demand also reduced, right? So the end demand. So they didn't have to produce as many things. In some industries, probably that's different. But on the whole, I think, you know, there was a reduction in demand. The challenge is going to happen now, I think. I don't think we've seen the worst of it as yet. Because as demand is picking up, as things are opening up across the world, people have started traveling. I did my first business travel earlier this week. And you, you can see people, uh, as you travel across the world, people are actually getting back to living their lives normally. Demand is going to go up for further. On the other side, banks are still not lending. And the government support programs that were put in place by all the, uh, the governments are being taken off or have already been taken off. So it's almost like a double whammy for the for the SMEs and the suppliers. Because on the one side, their customers are saying, you know, I was ordering 100 goods from you. I now need to order 200 of those goods. And I still want to re maintain my 90-day terms with you. So guess what? As a supplier, what I've got to do is I had to finance 100 working capital for, let's say, 100 items. Now I've got double the cost. That means I've got to buy 100 more of those things. I've got more workers a cost to pay potentially. So my financing need, my general business running financing need goes up. But on the other side, my bank, who is uh, who, who is supposed to lend me and, and finance that is actually not there anymore. And so I'm squeezed in the middle. I've got on the one side, I've got business who, which I want to get, but I don't have the money to get that. I don't have the, the kind of uh, working capital to be able to run that. And so uh, I actually feel as in the, in the past pandemic, as in the past kind of uh, economic crisis, you see the maximum number of bankruptcies and insolvencies as the economy starts picking up. And I fear, I fear that's what's going to happen right now. As things start picking up, there's going to be increasing insolvencies in the kind of mid-market and, and uh, SME kind of space. The big guys are always okay because banks are lining up to, uh, to give them money. True, absolutely. Yet some argue that banks could actually turn these around and that these sort of dynamics could actually open up an opportunity for them. What do you think about about this? No, I, I fully agree because, but but I think for in order to do that, they have got to finance using different methods. The, the the most classical way of financing is you look at a company, you look at its financials, you look at their ability to pay back, and you lend them on that basis. That's classic lending, right? That's that's what banks do day in and day out. Financing of working capital or financing of trade, you can apply very different concepts. And of course, banks have been doing that for, for years, but I feel there's a huge opportunity for that business for the banks because in trade, you're not financing on the purely on the basis of somebody's credit profile because in many cases, there are multiple parties involved. There's some guy who's actually producing the goods or delivering the services, and there's another buyer of those goods or services. And the money is actually flowing from the buyer of those goods and services to suppliers. And the likelihood that somebody pays for goods and services that they have bought is significantly higher than if you just give a clean kind of loan to a supplier. Because, you know, then it comes to them and they can use that money for all kinds of things. Whereas if they've produced something and they've sold it to a buyer, the buyer is going to pay. 
right? Unless the buyer is kind of in bankruptcy. And even in buyer's bankruptcy, the likelihood that a buyer pays their suppliers above other obligations, for example, other bank loans that they've got, is more because if a buyer stops paying its suppliers, it doesn't have a business anymore. So therefore, you see that uh, you know the, these trade finance, the performance of these loans is significantly better than just single, simple bonds or revolvers. And so in terms of banks, I think there's a huge opportunity for their trade finance businesses and indeed for banks who don't have this business to establish uh, a business to, to finance on the basis of trade. In this context, which role is Kariba playing at the moment? I know the company just launched a working capital solution. So what is that about and how is it helping to close the trade financing gap? I mean, Kariba's uh, philosophy and, and our goal and vision is to be really the, uh, the go-to, go-to and leader in enterprise liquidity management. And liquidity means different things for different people, but at its most basic sense, it is what is the lifeblood of a company. You know, we talked about the liquidity that is needed to run the day-to-day business. It is the liquidity that is needed to pay its its employees, uh, the liquidity that it's needed to do general business day-to-day, right? And, and pay its rent and mortgages, whatever it has as obligations. And so we, we, we see ourselves as really a tool for CFOs and treasurers to manage their liquidity. And in that context, key thing about liquidity, so we provide a lot of visibility around liquidity and and so on, but the key thing is around optimizing that liquidity. Now, what we do is we provide software tools which enable banks to finance this trade because many banks don't have the access to be able to do that. You know, you have to come in between a buyer and a supplier or a supplier and its customer to be able to finance that. And you need certain data that you need to be able to access from either party's uh, financial systems, ERP systems. We need that data to be validated to make sure there's no fraud happening. And we need to be able to connect the various parties involved, which is the buyer, the supplier, and the bank or the funder. And if you can kind of make that connection and, and make the, uh, the ability to get all these parties together in an efficient manner, you make the flow of financing more smooth, basically, and you reduce friction that would normally exist in that system. And so, I mean, our goal is to be able to onboard as many suppliers for our buyers, as many customers for our supplier customers, right? So so that we can get this, this network of uh, buyers and suppliers and allow funders to come in and fund that. Um, and we are not a funder. We, we don't compete with banks. Banks are our partners. And so we provide the technology tools that enable this kind of business to happen. Brilliant. Thank you. Is there anything upcoming or that Kariba is working on at the moment that you would like to tell us a bit more about? Yeah, no, we're, we're really excited about some of the developments that are happening. So uh, we obviously have uh, already tools in place for payables finance. Uh, you know, So when buyers have got suppliers, many suppliers, so we've got very market leading tools, which uh, which lots of customers and indeed banks use to provide uh, financing to, to their suppliers, downstream suppliers. We are going to release in the first quarter of next year tools which allow the financing of that same flow, but earlier in the cycle. So before invoicing happens, because the need for working capital exists even before an invoice happens. It actually, the real need is, is before invoicing is happening. So we are, we, we're going to release some tools which will allow uh, corporates and banks to be able to finance purchase orders, which is earlier in the cycle. 
And then we are releasing again in Q1 of next year, a tools to help manage the upstream uh, cycle, which is from them to their customers, uh, where they're supplying to customers. So to be able to finance that flow. So we, we are releasing a bunch of tools around receivables finance. Uh, and we're really excited about that because the moment you, you are able to help companies optimize their payables and receivables, then you've got holistic liquidity management that you can provide to, to customers. Great. Thank you so much, Abhijit. It was a pleasure talking with you and having you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, pleasure to be here.